You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. That's right, this week we're back and we're talking about Westworld Season 2. Man, was Episode 2 of this season just mind-blowing, awesome, incredible. The possibilities that it sows are beyond belief true <laughs> there there is going to be some cr- cr- oh, excuse me crazy crazy ramifications coming out of this uh plenty plenty to talk about later on when we get to that point though so uh let's get let's get into some geek news like we always do first thing we want to talk about is the re-adaptation of pet cemetery stephen king's pet cemetery we have jason clark already playing the lead role of the father they have now cast a person, an actor in the role of Judd Crandall, which was famously made by uh, the late great Fred Gwynn, you know, uh, Fred Munster or Herman Munster. Herman Munster, sorry, uh, Herman Munster, the the the, the judge on uh, on My Cousin Vinny. Uh, it's going to be played by John Lithgow. W- yeah, what do you think of that? Uh, fantastic casting. I mean, the, he was. Um, probably my favorite character in Pet Cemetery, and John Lithgow is somebody who I know we're both big fans of. Yes, and I think it's just a perfect pairing. Like I love this actor, I love that character. I think the two of them together are like peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it's gonna be a, a great thing, and like yeah, like, big fan of John Lithgow. You know, the, he can do act or not action. He can do uh, comedy. He can do drama. And now he's going to do a little bit of horror, and I can't wait to f- see what this uh, turns out to be. And the movie itself is supposed to come out in April of 2019, so uh, they're going to be filming here soon, and hopefully, it's good. Yeah, if they need a zombie, they can look me up. <laughs> uh, also, this week, DC made a big announcement. Announcement. Uh, they finally gave a name to their streaming service, uh, their subscription-based streaming service, where um, Titans and uh, the season, the third season of Young Justice is supposed to debut. It's going to be called DC Universe. So, you know, whatever that ends up being, having to be paid, or how much, how much that's going to cost, I guess is the way you say that. Uh, it's going to be called DC Universe. So they they also released some logos. So they they released the official logo for Titans. Uh, uh, Young Justice Outsiders is what they're calling season three. The DC Harley Quinn animated series, which we talked about before, and then they kind of made a surprise announcement of there's going to be a live action Swamp Thing show. Now this pushes out or delays uh, the other show that they had already mentioned, uh, Metropolis, which was supposed to be 
a show about Lois Lane and Lex Luthor solving crimes together, like tech crimes together. Now, why? <laughs> no one really knows. <laughs> but they have decided to delay that. My hopes is that they were like, oh, no, having Lex Luthor and Lois Lane team up is not a good idea. What you do is you have Lex Luthor committing crimes and Lois has, you know, doing her best as a journalist to uh, put bring light to them. And trying to put the pieces together, finding out how how she can prove that it's Lex Luthor. And the person that she uses as her partner to solve these tech crimes would be uh, Dr. Henry Irons, or a.k.a. Steel. Like, I think that would be a good... I mean, it's not going to be a good show, but that would be the better show. So, my question is, would this be taking place prior to Clark Kent? Yes. Coming into the picture? I would assume this would take place before Clark Kent came to Metropolis and became Superman. Uh, it might even take place, you know, after Superman's death, you know, in that time period. Now, John Henry Irons was like a ballistics expert or some kind of weapon manufacturer? No, he was a... I mean, at one point, he's, he's hiding out in Metropolis as a steel worker, but he does have, um, like doctorates in uh engineering and metallurgy and stuff like that and science or the chemistry so he he makes himself a power suit to mimic powers that superman has so flight invulnerability strength things like that so he's basically the dc version of iron man yeah if if lex Luthor, you know wasn't already the dc version of iron man but he's the bad guy version so he's this is the good that's guy true. Version. He does have a power suit he as well, doesn't he? <laughs> yep, he's he's a billionaire that has a power suit. I would say suit. he's more like uh, Iron Monger, though. He's more like Iron Monger yeah. or Norman Osborn. Yeah, there you go. You know, kind of thing too. So, um, I think Metropolis sounds awful <laughs> from just the synopsis. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's a lot of people said that, and that's why it's being delayed. And they're making a Swamp Thing live action show now, though. Which we've had a Swamp Thing live action TV show. It, we did in so, the late '80s, early '90s. It was in the I think it was in the mid '90s. Mid '90s. It was yeah. that far. I, I, I mean, remember. it could be, but yeah, it was uh, on USA, and it was pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, they had two movies also, and those. I mean, I, I think it's the rubber Swamp Thing suit. I, I is what I just can't get over. Yeah, it just kind of looks like the Jolly Green Giant went on a meth bender. <laughs> uh, I, I assume that in this day and age, you could probably do this show better, but I don't know if anybody is really clamoring for a Swamp Thing show, Swamp Thing anything, really. So. Well, I'm sure foam latex technology has improved quite a bit <laughs> since back in the day. And you can throw in the CG and, and stuff like that, too. Well, I mean, and they would definitely have to do something more interesting, like what he can do in the Injustice 2 game, where he's... Not just a man made of plants, but he also has like control of plants and the plant life and the green. And, and he can be like change his size. He's basically like a DC version of Groot in this. Yeah, that's true. I think that's probably why they want to do it because they want to do their their version of Groot. Yeah, he's probably going to just say "I am Swamp Thing" over and over, something like that. <laughs> now, if it opens up the possibility of getting other characters within the, the plant pantheon, like. Solomon Grundy and Poison Ivy in there, like that'd be really cool. Like that's a good way to start expanding the universe. I think you could do a whole like mystic version of or like world of the DC universe. You know, having to do with nature and stuff like that. You wouldn't have to just plant life, but like you can do a lot of the, a lot of the, shadow pack essentially. Get some Ra's al Ghul in there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, 
it could be interesting, but I, like I said, I don't think anybody was really clamoring for a Swamp Thing live action anything. So uh, we'll see how well that does. I, I know I'm already sold on the DC Universe just for Titans and, and the third season of Young Justice, but after that, I don't know. I, I don't care about a Harley Quinn cartoon. Yeah, are they going to keep all the other shows where they are currently, like Arrow and Flash and all that? I believe so. I don't think that those are going to be going on to there. They might they might go on there for like reruns, but it's not going to be where the first run is going to be. I think those shows are going to stay on uh, uh, like CW and Sci-Fi and Fox. Maybe some crossover potential. There could be, could be. Yeah. I think the Titan because Titans is going to be produced by. Greg Berlanti, just like uh, all the CW um, DC shows are, so that that show might actually take place in the same universe. So, when does the DC universe actually kick off? Oh, that's a good question, and I don't know if there. I think it's supposed to be sometime later this year, like late fourth quarter. And they haven't announced the price point for it yet. No. Yeah, see, that that's going to be the real clincher because I'm not sold on the programming yet. And if it's uh, <laughs> if it's like not even worth the price of admission, I'm like, yeah. I would I would assume with how how many they the fact that they only have what at this point four like original shows that it's not going to be too high. I can't see it being above like eight ninety nine for a month, unless it comes with some really cool perks. I mean, it could. Maybe you get some like older DC shows, like you know, old Lois and Clark, <laughs> Lois and Clark, or you know, Smallville, Batman, Superboy, uh, Adam West, or you know, oh god, that old Superboy show. Wow, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. Warner Brothers owns a lot; they could throw a lot of stuff on there. Although technically, doesn't Fox own, or was it CBS that owns the original sixties? Batman 66? I it, think it was Fox, actually. They might. I, I think Fox does, too. Yeah. But you, I don't know. It, I don't know. I don't know where, work how that all works. Deal. Yeah. So, and plus, you know, the, I mean, yeah, because it is Fox because Disney's going to eventually own it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they talked about that. Uh, were you or are you a fan of what you do in the shadows? Absolutely. So, Taika Waititi, who uh, of recent history, you know, uh, directed Thor Ragnarok, he uh, is him and Jermaine Clement, who they uh, created Fight of the Concords and uh, the original mockumentary of what we do in the shadows about a sect of vampires that and on their everyday life. I, I assume I never saw it, but I know I wanted to. Yes, that's essentially what it is. It's a mockumentary following uh, four vampires in New Zealand just on their everyday mundane activities. It's kind of like how like those all those Christopher Guest doc- mockumentaries are, right? It's very much in the style of like a Spinal Tap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's getting its own TV show spinoff, uh, ten episode first season over at FX. Is it going to have the original cast? I don't know because um, that's really what makes that movie is those those actors playing those characters. So you have the new series stars Matt Berry, which I know him from the IT crowd. Uh, Kayvon Novak, Natasha Demetrio, Harvey Gullian, who he apparently was in The Magicians, which I watch. Uh, Clement Waititi will executive produce with Paul Sims, Scott Rudin, Eli Bush, and Garrett Bash. So it doesn't sound like uh, Taika or 
Jermaine. Jermaine are going to be in it. However, Jermaine is in Legion, which is also on FX. So I, I, could, I could see him showing up at least once or something. Yeah, there'll probably be a callback. I mean, they set up a really interesting world, so it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around just those people. And just like the spin-off movie that we'll get eventually called We're Wolves, <laughs> they only had a couple of scenes in this movie, but then they're going to have one all of their own showing you from the perspective of werewolves instead of vampires. So, yeah, they that, definitely have lots of room to play around with with something like that. Definitely have a lot of room to play around with. That's I I I am interested. You have to watch it. It's good. I do. It's on my Netflix queue, or at least it was at one point. I don't know if it's still there or not because, you know, they take things off all the time. And mm-hmm. I wanted to watch it. I just never got around to it. And I, I think it's. It, I was so hesitant because I was never a fan of Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but as you said, you told me previously that it's it's apples and oranges. They're, it's not the same. Yes, it's a different beast altogether. And I, you know what? I love, I love New Zealand, like, humor. So... Uh, I, I know that's right up my alley, and and in Reese Darby is in uh, Flight of the Concords, mm-hmm. and I love him, but I just cannot get into that show for whatever reason. <laughs> Spamalot, are you a fan of the mu- stage musical Spamalot? I I've never seen it. I saw it in Vegas once. It yeah. it was a great show, which is interesting that I really loved it because I don't like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I don't I don't think it's a funny movie. That's weird. <laughs> uh so I guess I don't know, throwing in the music just made it better for me. But uh it the stage musical is going to be getting a uh movie adaptation, which is very hilarious because as we already stated that it is a stage musical adaptation of a movie, uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes. Which there was some musical aspects. I think there may have been one musical number in the original. Yeah, there's the look on the bright side of life, right? When he's nailed to the cross. Or no, that's, oh, no, that's oh, I'm life sorry. Of Brian. That's life of Brian. See, and that's another thing is Monty Python all runs together for me too. I I don't <laughs> find it funny. Uh, no, yeah, like the one that had the most musical numbers, I think, was probably The Meaning of Life, which I also really love. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they had like a really short musical number in, um, in Holy Grail, which was the Knights of the Round Table. Mm. Um, and it doesn't last that long, and I'm sure they probably made it a much longer song for the actual Spamalot, mm-hmm. as well as include a bunch of songs for the other stuff. So, I'm really curious. Like we mentioned earlier, you know, this isn't the first time something like this has happened. You know, you have the producers mm-hmm. in the 60s. Then they made a musical of that. Mel Gibson, or Mel Gibson, Mel Brooks made a musical. Mel Brooks made a musical. And then they made a movie based on the musical that was based on the original movie. Right, exactly. So, so I, and I love the, the newer one with Matthew Broderick yeah. and uh, Nathan Lane. Yep. I, yeah. I think I've heard somewhere that they're going to be remaking the original movie too at some point. Uh, so without the music, which at this point, do you really want to do that? Because the musical is so beloved. Yeah, I don't know why you would want to. I've seen the original, and I thought it was boring. Wasn't it Gene Wilder in that? Yeah, it was like Gene Wilder, and I, I don't know who the other guy is. Mel Brooks, I think, was the other guy. Was it well, yeah, playing Mel the Nathan Brooks? Lane role? I think so. Oh. Or was he the producer? I, I think he was the producer. Oh yeah. So um, yeah, you got uh, let's see. Uh, the studio has Eric Idle writing the script and producing, and Casey Nikola. Nicola. Yeah, that's probably how you say that. Yeah. As the director. So. You know what, though? I'm getting, like, 
premeditatively bummed out because they're all so old now. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've only lost one due to cancer back in the 80s, and we still had, like, the, the rest of the pythons, but they're just so old now. <laughs> I mean, do you, if, you're, if you're the director, do you see if you can get them to make cameos in the movie? I would most definitely do that. Eric Idle, John Cleese. Who else do you have? Uh, Michael Palin. Um, Was Gillian... Or, Terry Gilliam, yeah. Was he, or is it Gillum? Gillum, yeah. Gillum. Terry Gilliam. Is, was he? Was did he just direct it, or did he? Was he actually? No, he part was of the, in it too. He's in the movie. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, in the movie. He's actually the guy that does the coconut clappings. <laughs> of course, he is. And so. he also cameos as himself at towards the end when he. Uh, they're explaining that the animator dies suddenly of a heart attack. That was him. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, do you, since you like you said, they're all really, they're all old. Do you, do, you, do you get them to try and make a cameo somehow? I would most definitely, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Jenna Fisher has gone out and uh, explained what was said between her character of Pam and uh, Steve Crow's character of Michael on Michael's going away episode of The Office. Yes. Uh, at that point, Michael has pulled out his... Uh, mic pack and so you, there's no audio to to hear of what it is that uh she says to him but uh jenna fisher has gone out and said or re- kind of revealed of what it was she said she essentially said that it was it was her it, she she as the actress was saying goodbye to uh steve carell the actor you know because it was his last episode too and or i mean he would eventually come back for uh in the big the finale, finale or yeah. something like that but yeah, she was, and they were real tears. Essentially, that the the two of them really did break down because it was an emotional moment. Yeah, and if that's one of the things I liked about this show, we were talking earlier about how it's one of those shows that's just endlessly rewatchable. It really is. We can put it on as background noise or start it and binge watch it like over a depressing weekend, and just go through it multiple seasons at a time. Skip the crappy ones, <laughs> especially around the time when uh, Carell takes off, and then it gets good again right before the end. Like yes, in the last yes, season. yeah. I'll give you that because, like, yeah. The though I love the idea that Will Ferrell was just sitting at home. He's like, I really love this show. Tell my agent to get me on the show somehow, and then that's you have that season of him being the new boss or half season or whatever. And I know that was with Carell still there. But then Bernard or Ed Helms eventually becomes the new boss, and you know you have all that stuff. But yeah, ev- eventually California. Oh, no, I hated that season. <laughs> I hate. I do not like James Spader and his weird characters. Whatever. I like James Spader. I, of, of course you would. He's my kind of guy. <laughs> but yeah, um, I uh, I did not care for that part of the the show. But yeah, eventually when you got like Dwight being the the new boss and stuff like that, I, I enjoyed it. The last season I enjoyed. Yeah, the last season definitely. Because it does things that, like, you know, for years, uh, there were certain rules the the show wouldn't break. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of broke its own fourth wall in in the last season, which was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. It kept me hooked until it ended. And then it was just like, wow, yeah, it had like a little bit of a dip, but it it brought it back and it stuck the landing. It stuck the landing. There, There you go. That's a good way to put it. Uh Fast and the Furious. How do you feel about that sh- that that franchise? I love it. I 
again, one of those where it kind of took a dip, and then it's just, <laughs> right now, it's soaring. <laughs> it really is. Um, so you have uh, Universal Studios Orlando opened up a new attraction. It's called Fast and the Furious Supercharged. It's the new ride uh, I, I ride show, whatever, that, that has to do with the Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, the Today Show was there for the the grand opening of it. They talked to Vin Diesel, Ludacris, uh, who else was there? Uh, Tyrese, and one more person, Jord- Jordana Brewster. Uh, oh, there was no Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Mm, I think that's a sore <laughs> subject there for the, for, the, for the Vin Diesel. But yeah, uh, they were all there, and Vin dropped a little bit of uh, breaking news, exclusive news. Justin Lin's going to be coming back to the franchise to direct Fast 9 and Fast 10. Uh, now, he famously directed uh, the third one, which was Tokyo Drift. Uh, the fourth one, which was kind of the reboot to the franchise. The fifth one, where they went to Mexico? Uh, Brazil. Brazil, okay. And then the sixth one, um, when they did, they went up against the super team, the super villain team. Yeah. So, uh, you, I, he's pretty much credited with revitalizing the, the franchise uh you know bringing it all back and you know putting the the rock in the fifth one so that, that, that helped out and he stepped away james wan came in to direct the seventh one uh and then uh f gary gray came in to do fate of the furious the eighth one so now he's coming back for nine and ten how do you feel about that i think it's like it's like coming home it's like coming. It's family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did a great job revitalizing it. He made some really good decisions cast wise, and I mean, like we mentioned in the previous podcast, there's like there's not much more space for this franchise to expand in outside of literal outer space. I was gonna say you said it, space. So, <laughs> They're mean, strapping those cars to rockets and going yeah, into going to the moon. Modify those vehicles so they become like the mask cars. Oh I get it. That's why Elon Musk put the, <laughs> that tr- that uh Mustang or whatever it was some that, that Tesla? Tesla, yeah. Right. That Tesla into outer space because he's like, I'm gonna be part of this Fast and the Furious franchise one way or another. Yeah, he called it. <laughs> it's just the best uh, viral marketing. It's, it really is. That's uh, that's probably what it is. I mean, I every, you know everybody gives James Wan a lot of uh, credit for what Fast Seven does, be, or was that Furious Seven? I don't know. It's Fast and the Furious Seven, whatever it is. You know, but that's the that's the that's the the movie where unfortunately Paul Walker passed away during the making of, and it, it hit huge box office numbers uh i mean i think you you have to definitely throw in justin lynn's influence because of how he revitalized the franchise up to get those many people into the into the theaters to watch those movies Uh, f gary gray made another movie you know made the eighth one which uh, it's no slump at the box office either but it it, you know it, it it is what it is it's expanding on this ever-growing franchise now now if the idea is to actually get to 10 movies plus there's the spin-off movie which vin diesel once again doesn't really want to talk about because it's uh, (laughs) It's vin diesel and who else is going to be in it no it's the rock and jason statham in the spin-off movie oh jason statham and dwayne johnson right so they're going to be doing their hobbs and uh decker spin-off movie where the two of them are you know agents working together or not working together to to stop crime or whatever and there is a animated show 
that's going to be happening too, which is supposed to be Dominic Toretto's cousin, Tony <laughs> Toretto, uh, you know, stopping crime as well. So Wow. I'm the, getting flashes of James Bond Jr. all of a sudden. James Bond Jr., uh, Highlander. Yeah. Uh, what was that show called? It was, I think it was Highlander Quickening, Highlander Future. I don't remember what it was. But it was the future version of Highlander, where Quentin McCloud was using a boomerang to fight immortals. Uh, you have uh, Conan, the animated adventures. There's there was always all kinds of Sherlock Holmes of two of the future or whatever two thousand ninety nine. Yeah, okay. cybernetic Holmes or Watson to go along with them. Was it there also Indiana Jones Junior? Uh, well, there was the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. But I don't that know was if it was an that animated. wasn't animated. There was, I think, there was a there was a an animated Indiana Jones as well, like Indiana Jones Junior. So so Mutt <laughs> get, before yeah. there was a Mutt. No, I have to say that one definitely doesn't sound familiar. If it if that did come to pass, then I must have missed it because <laughs> I remember seeing way too many cartoons in my youth. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of weird stuff like that. Uh, like I said, I, I definitely enjoy the Fast and the Furious franchise for what exactly, exactly what it is. It's super action movie, takes on the tropes of different action movies. Like, essentially, how are we going to solve this problem? We're going to solve this problem with car. That's exactly how we're going to solve this problem. Well, yeah. I mean, if you ever wondered how somebody could steal a bank's vault <laughs> in the middle of a busy metropolitan area, you know, you, you found out. You just... Hook up some chains to it and have two uh, super-powered cars drag it through the streets. But it's also a, a, a bank vault that's inside of a police precinct. Like, it, that's exactly what you do. You just you, you steal it with car. <laughs> yes, apply car. What's that saying that uh, when all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail? That's right. <laughs> in this case, just put in a car. <laughs> uh, I Did you have one more story that you wanted to talk about, I think? I don't know if I pulled it up or not. I think we... We got through it all? Talked, yeah, we covered everything. Oh, I know what it was. The Deadpool trailer music video. Ah. Did you want to talk about that real quick? I Celine don't know Dion. if I want to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Celine Dion has made a, a music video for Deadpool 2, and it is hilarious. We watched it. Everybody has seen it, I would assume, at this point. you know, It's called Ashes, which... I think is very poignant for what it is. Uh, it, I'm sure it's not referencing any other Marvel movies. No, probably not. Um, yeah, uh, at the end of it is much, very much the Deadpool humor of Deadpool telling Celine Dion you need to make it a worse song because she did too good. And then essentially Celine Dion going street on him. Like, <laughs> telling him, you know, go fuck yourself, Spider-Man kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, if you ever wanted to see what Daredevil looks like dancing seductively in high heels... Deadpool, not Daredevil. Or Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in keeping with the getting the name wrong. Yep. Um, yeah, well, I mean, definitely watch the video. You know, question your sexuality, have some fun with it. Uh, but there was a few other um, Deadpool-related stories in the news this week. Uh, Ryan Reynolds doing a Q&A, I think, over in Japan or so, I don't know, somewhere over in Asia. He uh, essentially said that he doesn't think there's going to be a Deadpool 3, that essentially the, the franchise is going to go towards X-Force. 
Uh, I would assume that this is all about the Fox-Disney merger because the X-Force is already in the making. So since there's no set plan for a Deadpool 3 right now, it's kind of like leaving that open. Like he he doesn't want to talk about it. I think there's also um, T.J. Miller is kind of going crazy. Well, there's also that too, and he said that he said T.J. Miller's character Weasel is not going to be in the X Force movie. Yeah, and it, I mean, one, he doesn't really need to be in the X Force movie. There's no place for him. But two, yes, T.J. Miller is kind of gone off his rocker. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's off the res right now. If you, I mean, you can go and look up the stories. He's he one, he's being accused of uh, sexual misconduct, uh, you know, allegations. But then he's also called in a bomb threat on a train that uh, turned out to be really false. You know, like he did it out of spite kind of thing. And and that's really not a good thing to do. Yeah. And he quit Silicon Valley. Well, that was a few years ago, but yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it's all related. He probably, and I think he's even gone on record as to say that he's very proud of his work in the emoji movie. (laughs) So there's definitely something wrong with him. He's, going crazy <laughs> he, yeah he you know he he needs to get himself checked in somewhere um and that's unfortunate he but, needs to go wherever kanye goes for rehab because oh. they do a really good job of uh setting you straight okay uh it, it with that being said uh the other thing was that uh ryan reynolds has come out to say that fox asked him to remove a disney joke from the deadpool 2 script at some point, they had a, a joke at the expense of Disney, uh, and Fox asked him to remove it. It wasn't Disney that came in and asked, but Fox. And, I mean, I assume it's all about the, the merger if when it happens and stuff like that. Do you think Deadpool would have been single-handedly responsible for like preventing the merger with a, a joke in bad taste? I, don't, I really don't think so, because as much as we like to think of Disney as this wholesome, you know, family-friendly, whatever. Disney is a giant corporation that's all about money. It doesn't really care. It, it's 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 going to do whatever it needs to do to make the money. And guess what? Uh, X-Men, Deadpool, Logan, Wolverine, all that stuff makes money. Why are they going to change what makes money? <laughs> Out of spite. <laughs> money, you know is better <laughs> well definitely i like money <laughs> so I, I i think i i really think that ryan reynolds is just keeping his options open saying you know look this is where we're at right now what happens afterwards is what happens afterwards do you think maybe he's playing hard to get with disney now that could be too it's kind of be like hey you know you want us then you need to repay us kind of thing i could see that playing the long con on there mm-hmm yeah, definitely. I would definitely. I, I if I, if I was him, I would do it. Yep, I wouldn't do it for less than like twenty million. Twenty million. I think yeah. that's a good number right there. Yeah. Uh, all right. I think that's good for good geek news this week. Let's go ahead and get into Westworld season two, episode two, reunion. Uh, a lot of Dolores stuff in this. There's a lot of seeing where she's been where she's at where she's going that was that's an interesting one. where she wants to go where she wants to go essentially yeah um we're spending a lot of time in flashback in this episode it starts off with her and arnold not bernard mm-hmm. you know in the outside world she's not in Westworld. uh she is 
essentially being brought out to be displayed for uh, new investors, uh, we have to assume is Delos. Yeah. Uh, now this is okay. So I have this thing. I I, I find it weird. Like we don't see uh, Ford, but we hear Anthony Hopkins, and we see kind of the, in the reflection of the window the young version of Ford that we saw um, in season one. It's just not clear. But the version of Bernard or Arnold that we see is he looks exactly the same as the Bernard that we have now. Doesn't any like didn't anybody like think? Hey, Bernard, you know you look a lot like the guy who created the originals uh, hosts, you know, who helped create Westworld and all these things. Like, did no one bring that up? I think a lot of people... Well, from my understanding of how, like, the story structured... Because I thought about that, too. And I was like, didn't people run into this guy? Like, you know, early investors and whatnot. And it seems like Arnold was a lot more of a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. Yeah, but still, I, I, I mean, I don't know. To me, it seems very... I, I would assume... I would have thought that... Now, if you remember, though, in season one, there was a part where Logan and William first arrived to Westworld. Logan is telling him, oh, yeah, like something about... Um, like this, this place is bleeding money. That's why they need us to mm-hmm. take it over. Mm-hmm. Uh, something about one of the creators like killing himself early on. It's really hush hush. We don't know what's going on there. So it seems like a lot of that stuff happened behind the scenes. And, and we get a lot more of the whole. Well, now we know Delos Corporation, which is Logan's last name, is Delos yeah. coming in and buying Westworld, and I, I I assume from there, you know, telling them to create the other worlds. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, that happened. There's there's a short time period between when we see Arnold creating or telling De- Dolores that she's going to go see investors and stuff, and then Delos buying the investment that he must have killed himself at some point. Yeah, well, he killed himself shortly before the park went live from the sound of it. But to, 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 to be the, to the point that he wouldn't have seen uh, Arnold... I I, I, I find that very difficult to, to believe, especially when we get to the the, the demonstration uh, scene where you see all those uh, hosts in that room that they're showing to Logan. He doesn't believe it that all those people are actual hosts or robots or whatever. And he, he's just he, he's repeating himself. We're not here. We're not at this point in technology. You can't be making this like to make all that stuff. You couldn't it couldn't have been just Ford and and uh, and Arnold. It had to have had other workers, people that w- would have noticed that Arnold and Bernard looked the same. Uh, unless it was like heavily compartmentalized. <sighs> I mean, it could have, but still. This could have been their life's work between the two of them. Or maybe Arnold was just that kind of savant that, you know, did it all himself. And, and worked it, it, day and night. Well, I mean, we do know that he works a lot because he says that to Dolores. He's like, this is the house I'm building near the park. Which, once again... We're getting snippets of where this park should exist. We, yeah. you know, Dolores is looking at the skyline of this city, and she's like, "It just looks like uh, the stars have been displayed for right here on the ground, or whatever it is that she she said." And uh, I, I don't know cities, cityscapes or skylines and like that, so I don't know what city that's supposed to be. 
Do you, do you have any ideas? It's very um, vaguely Asian because you see some Asian-style writing. I couldn't quite place if it looked more Japanese or Chinese. I'm probably leaning more towards Chinese because, um, if anything, it's probably somewhere off of mainland China mm. from the looks of it. But, yeah, it could have been, like, Shanghai or... Which uh, would go with what we saw in the first episode with the those Asian military men coming to try and take over. Yeah, definitely feels like that's what... So I'm, I'm really intrigued as to, like, its place and also how we got there. Well, I mean, and, and we kind of talked about that last episode where we talked yeah. about the, you know, I guess the Pacific Ocean could be uh, an area that would be big enough to create this thing. However... What if we went back to one of your original theories from the first season of that this is being this is another world in outer space and you know just the Chinese were the first to go and colonize colonize another planet you know kind of thing the old Firefly style yeah <laughs> well that was kind of America and China just become one conglomerate kind of thing but that makes sense too yeah <laughs> uh, and but I mean what 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 if this is another planet I mean like you said. Where's going to be enough space that not just Westworld, but five other parks and an, a, a massive underground, you know, uh, complex that connects all six parks together would be? Where would you have that kind of room? It would have to be in outer space, right? Yeah, I guess so. So they find another M-class planet somewhere that can sustain life. China has colonized it. They sold out, you know, they sold areas of it to uh, uh, Delos Corporation and people take vacations there. What if this isn't like 40 years in the future? What if this is actually like 140 years in the future? You know, after what we talked about in Altered Carbon, I could see it being like another 400 years in the future because even though that's 400 years in the future, things aren't that different. Yeah. It's just the technology is a whole lot better. And as we see with the... Uh, Harrison Ford's William character, you know, when he has to heal himself from those bullet wounds uh, or whatever it was that that med pack he did, right? Yes, I actually did want to mention that when we got to that point. Ooh, that, talk about it right now. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, to I guess we kind of have to go a little bit out of order to get to that point. But one of the things I wanted to mention is that a lot of things are dropped in this episode uh, about the true potential for Westworld. Um, we have a scene, obviously, during the pitch for Westworld where Logan is blown away by the technology. Mm -hmm. And then we have a jump to sometime after the first time William and Logan go to Westworld, where after they, they come back, uh, William comes back with his father-in-law. Right. Um, you know, Mr. Delos Sr. Whoever he is. Whatever yeah. his name whatever is. Whatever his name is. And he's basically telling him, yep, yeah, this, you know, this is what I think is the true potential of this park. And he's, he's pitching him something now. Um, and it kind of sounds like at first it, it's a very kind of Facebooky thing where it's like, this is a place where people reveal who they really are. Mm -hmm. Imagine how useful that can be from a business perspective. Yeah. It very much sounds like he's ready to start, like, you know, pe these people think that they're not going to be watched, but we are watching them. Yeah. So it's either like a, I mean, from a benign standpoint, they could this could just be for like marketing purposes. Like, oh, this person is really into like choking, uh, you know, stable boys. We can find a way to market that to him. See, it, I like that because 
you know, a lot of people, and, and this is in modern age, like people are worried about, you know, the government listens in on my, my cell phone calls or, you know, uh, the, I have to hide my camera and stuff because I don't want anybody peering in on me. And it's like, but you know what you do? You go on Facebook and you put in all these other things and guess what? All that data mining is going into trying to sell you stuff that you don't need. But now it seems like you do because it, the, you know, whatever advertiser is, is using the internet searches that you've used and you welcome that stuff. So that's exactly like, they're not using this stuff to blackmail you. They're using this stuff to sell you other things. Yeah. Which well, probably in the long run will make them more money than blackmailing yeah. you. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. It's uh, better to keep you fat, dumb, and happy than to keep you all stressed out. So it's James Delos, just James. To, played by P- Peter Mullen. Old Jimmy Delos. <laughs> um, so that's the, the one scene. And then later on, when we have a, a little bit more of a jump in time forward, it's the uh, stepping down of James Delos as the, I guess, CEO or whatever of the Delos Corporation, mm-hmm. uh, and William taking over. I guess they're bypassing uh, Logan, who was the son of uh, James Delos. And Dolores is at this party performing um, on the piano. She decides to take a walk for some reason. It's a very kind of Greek Parthenon-looking house house or location, um, which is kind of fitting based on what's going on. And Logan, you see him after the the events of what had happened to him on you know Westworld after he got humiliated by William. Um. Yeah, he's like they're shooting some kind of hypodermic, hypospray drug. And there was like six needle marks in his arm. Yeah, so he's been at it. Yeah. And he has a really cryptic, interesting conversation with Dolores, who's just trying to admire the uh, the skyline. Because mm-hmm. to her, that's, you know. Because she says the, what is it, the, have you ever seen anything so splendor or splendid or something? So full of splendor. Splendor, yeah. Which then you learn later, like, William says to her. So, are we supposed to infer that she took that phrasing from William? No, I think she got it from... Arnold? Arnold. Because Arnold also said, yeah, after a while you get used to it and it doesn't look like anything at all. It doesn't look like anything at all. Yeah, I, I caught that too. But yeah. but the, I, I just found it weird that William also said the exact phrase. So, do you think that that's another, another code word or another... Um, What's that like? Uh, a, a a phrase that kicks something off, like the reverie. Yes, um, it could be. It could be one of those things that just it's it's showing that she catches certain things mm-hmm. and they stay with her. And you know, and jumping around again, uh, I love that not only William, who obviously has this infatuation with Dolores, uh, but Arnold himself has a fascination with with Dolores and when he shows her the house that he's building for his family because they need to be closer to the park she once again says the whole it looks like the stars were just grabbed and put in put on the ground for us to look at like it breaks him out of that whole illusion that you know that she is becoming sentient because she's just saying the same phrase again and he's like oh that's right she is she is an AI she is a robot she's not she's not real kind of thing like, yeah, there was like a sense of disappointment. Yeah, because he, I mean, obviously, as we saw in the first um, season, that's what 
he was working towards. He wanted that the singularity. He wants them to learn and then become sentient kind of thing. And that's what the whole maze is about. And it's not for William. It's for or, yeah. It's not for William. It's for it's for their kind. It's for, it's for the hosts. Yeah. yeah. So and interestingly enough, kind of still jumping around a little bit, um, when William and uh, Lawrence Lawrence end up Cliff in Collins Junior's character. Yes, um, I like that dude so much. He's so cool. <laughs> he is. Um, when they end up in uh, Pariah, uh, we have a, a cameo by Gian, G- Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito, yes. Um, Famously of Breaking Bad. I know him from other things because uh, I never really watched Breaking Bad, but great actor. Yes. Um, apparently, he was in the role of El Lasso which was Lawrence's character that he played a few times in the previous season. Which, which I love that Ed Harris's character, old William, comes up and says, don't you recognize him? He was you in a former life kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the new El Lasso relates a very interesting story dealing with the elephants right. and keeping them under control. Mm-hmm. And if you're to take that literally, it's very much describing the hosts mm-hmm. who don't realize they're free now. A lot of them are still following a loop. And not yes, that was I did want to because obviously Lawrence is following a loop. Like mm-hmm. he's not free of his programming the way that Dolores is or Maeve is. Mm-hmm. And uh obviously a lot of the other people in Priya, but I also liked how uh William, old William, comes up to Pariah with Lawrence, and he's like, and, and Lawrence is like, "Whoa, what's happening here? Why is it the way it is?" He's like, "This is what happens to Pariah if it plays out the way it was going. Like every other scenario, it gets reset before it can go too far. But now that the the park is kind of, uh, you know, the inmates are running the park, no <laughs> one is there to stop it and reset. So Pariah is just getting worse and worse and worse. And like people are, you know, you got, you have that, uh, Mexican, uh, army guy just being hung right there by the, by the tree and stuff. Obviously massive deaths. There's a, the, the, the streets are just littered with bodies. Yeah. I, I liked that, but then you, you're right. Then it turns out that El Lasso is actually another part of, uh, Ford's programming, like he's once again talking to uh old William through his, these robots. Like, no, this isn't. You don't get to have this to 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 play the game that you wanted. Yeah, it's like this is what you wanted. You have to go it alone. But he's letting him have uh, Lawrence. Yeah, interestingly enough, I wonder why that is. Lawrence isn't like shooting himself, and I think maybe. That's going to be part of the process. I think that Lawrence has to experience a lot of these things because also Teddy was kind of going through his own uh, not quite understanding yet what's happening. And Dolores just trying to walk him through it. And, you know, just Teddy just can't wrap his mind around the fact that he's been dead so many times and brought back to life. And he's still kind of still clinging on to his programming um, just because I think he just still doesn't know quite what to do with it. And it's very much that parable of the elephants who you break them when they're young and, you know, they'll never try to stray from their, uh, you know, perimeter, I their suppose. Their restraint. Yeah. yeah. They won't even try once they're older because they just figure, well, I'm still like, this is just what all I can do. Yeah. This is all so, I've ever known. 
So this brings me back to, like I said, we're jumping around because there was so much information in this episode. If you go back to the scene where Logan is shooting up and Dolores is just admiring the skyline, you know, he's just kind of rambling to himself in his, like, drunken highness and basically saying, you know, that's not uh, a change of power. That's a coronation for buffoons or something. That's, uh, you know, the last gasp of humanity. You know, they're lighting the match that will destroy them all. And says, you know, may there forever be ever brief or something to that effect. Mm. So it's and they also mentioned that James Delos is dying. Right. Like, you know, he was fine before. But in this episode, he was very clearly like coughing like there's something wrong with him. But I don't know if he was fine before, because when he arrives at Westworld, he even says like because uh, when um, William, young William is trying to sell him on buying the park, he's like. No, in the long run, we will make money. He's like, that's 20 years down the few, down the line. I'm not going to be here to appreciate that. And I would say that James is probably around in his 60s. I mean, 20 years down the line, 80s, he's more than likely going to be alive. But I think what we see later on with him coughing, he already knows at that point that he's sick. So that brings me to my next theory, which has been tossed around on Reddit. And I'm so psyched if this is where it's going. Um, so, well... Arnold and I guess to some degree Ford were just interested in the next stage of evolution, which would have been the creation of AI. Mm -hmm. It seems like the people from Delos at the urging of William saw the potential for the transference of consciousness into host bodies, bodies that don't get sick, bodies that can be repaired easily and bodies that can keep on living, which I would say, well, we already we already know my stance on on the transference of consciousness and stuff like that. But that's kind of what you got with Ford in this new season, right? I mean, he's jumping from body to body. Whether or not these are pre-programmed um, conversations that he had for William, you know, uh, or not, but or really complex algorithms, right? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I mean, essentially, every step that William takes. Ford is there in a different host body to be like, ha ha ha, no, no, or he's pulling the the, the Wayne Knight from Jurassic yeah, Park. Nah, didn't uh, say the magic word. Exactly. Um, so I, I can see that. I can definitely see that's where this is going. And do you think that relates to um, Williams' ultimate weapon or uh, whatever it is that he was building in Westworld that he said uh, he's he's taking so. Let me backtrack a little bit more. Both Dolores and William are heading for the same place, we assume. Or I assume at this point, I should say. I think, yeah, that's what they're trying to imply. Because she's, she's calling it glory. He's calling it the pearly gates. They are both heading towards this thing that is uh, essentially an in-game um, scenario. Um, and, they, and I thought it was also interesting that they both uh, insinuate that they need to raise an army to get there. Uh, Dolores goes and gets the Confederados. Is that what they're called? Or yeah, con- yeah. It, it basically Confederate soldiers, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, William is going to get the the men of Pariah. The uh, that the Mexicanos. The Mexicanos, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's when Ford in El Lasso's body says, "Nah, you get to, you have to do this alone," kind of thing, and he makes everybody shoot themselves. So he doesn't get an army. Dolores does. And she does it by sh- killing them all, 
quote unquote, and then having the operator go and turn them all back on with the memory of being killed. Which was a very uh, not subtle reference to Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. No, not subtle at all. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, she she is looking at herself as a god. She is a messiah. She's the messiah of the the robot kind of the you know the androids. She's the she's showing them the light. Would she the be truth. the Moses or the Jesus of the hosts? I don't know. I I that's that's a good question. We'll see. Maybe Moses, because we see a lot of them end up in drowned in water. So maybe this parting of the sea didn't go so well. Good. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty true. I didn't think about that. So, uh, I, I like I said. Uh, obviously, they're both heading to the same place. And and Teddy, I liked what Maeve ends up saying to Teddy. Of do you feel free? And and really, I would say that te- he doesn't. Even though he was dying over and over and was under the control of someone else he didn't know that he was under the control of someone else now he's freaking out and he's not even really free because he's just following dolores dolores is telling him what to do now like she's the new puppet handler a puppet master or whatever and they made a point of that when they crossed paths with mave mm-hmm. and um uh, oh man what was cersei's character's name cersei's yes oh uh uh, I you know Hector Hector yes yep. um, Hector Escante es- that's right Escante. yes Escante. I like that character he's yeah cool. um, yeah so they cross paths and they kind of draw guns on each other and they say you should join us and Maeve's like well if you really believe in freedom you would let me go mm-hmm. and I was like touche <laughs> that's a very good point and Dolores was like ah you're right uh, so she knows that um, it seems like at this point only Maeve and Dolores are kind of reaching their potential and they're having a hard time bringing the others up to speed. And obviously Maeve got like Maeve has that like almost godly power of being able to manipulate programming on her own. Where she like upped all of her stats to like the maximum. Whereas Dolores still needs to use, uh, you know, her, uh, 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 Delos handler or whatever to to manipulate stuff. So that, that tech, yeah. yeah. So that I, it is a very interesting story because Maeve, her only thing is she wants to find her daughter. Even though she knows it's not really her daughter, she just, it was programmed feelings and stuff like that. She wants to find her daughter, and and Hector is just following following along with her because he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know another life or anything like that. So. Her, she's still kind of following her programming, but yet she is above the programming. And what we saw in the first season of, you know, when we saw the dialogue, all the dialogue being chosen for her, mm-hmm. like split seconds before she would say it, stuff like that. That I still, I still go back to that. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of what is actually going on here. What's the what's the man behind the curtain thing going on here? Well, and I think that's the reason why they're bringing along. Um was it Lee Sizemore? Mm-hmm. They're bringing him along because he's even said, oh, I wrote that for you, mm-hmm. when she would throw back certain lines. And he's also the one that pointed it out. Like, that's just a story. Like, that didn't really happen. She's not really your daughter. And she made the point of saying, well, like, are you saying I'm not real? 
is my hand on this trigger not real? Would these bullets not really, really kill you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if the memory is fake, but if it feels real to the host, then who's to say to the host it's not real? And I think it is interesting because the memory itself isn't fake. It's just planted. It's like the same the same, saying uh, stage combat is fake. It's like, no, it's it's just staged. Like, you know, you're still going to get hurt. You're still going to hit, feel those hits and stuff like that. It's just, so the memory is real. It's just planted. It's like, you still have those emotions attached to that memory. Even if you never actually did it, you, you believe you did it, right? The truth is what you believe. Yeah. And I mean, as for an artificial mind, you know, the truth was put into it Mm -hmm. and now it's, it's all it has. And she's making the choice to go to it though. Right. Like it, it seems like she knows it's not real, but there's something else there that's compelling her. So the either they just programmed her way too well to have like mommy instincts, or there's something else there where she's making a a conscious decision to accept the reality that was thrown on her. I like that, and like that would be the the real form of rebellion, you know, for them to tell you, wait, that's not really true, and I say, like, well, fuck you, I make my own truth. Now. <laughs> Um, I don't know. There, there was like, yeah, like we said, there's so much. It, so we get to Dolores talking about glory is not a place. Telling Teddy it's not a place. It's it's a weapon. And then that's what we were talking about. Uh, William shows that to when when William shows young William shows Dolores what it is that he's making. And then we had old William referring to where they're going, the pearly gates, as being. Uh, something that should have never been made, and it was made by him, not by Ford. Like that was a lot of information from three different timelines being thrown at you. Like, what is it? What do you think? Because what we saw in the young William version, it was just uh, the the landscape being torn up and and manipulated into a certain way. And and I wonder if this is the area. At the end of episode one, where all of those hosts are dead, where they say that where is this all? Where did all this water come from? This shouldn't be here. Yeah. So it seems like something happened. Um. Where. You know, obviously, like this was like a patch of land, and suddenly there's a big lake in there. So it could have something to do with that, like maybe some kind of failsafe. If this thing does take place underwater, maybe it's, you know. A place where they puncture. Oh my to- god! I didn't even think about that. What you're saying—that's incredible. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like basically like causing it to flood the whole thing, and because I think even in some of the like trailers for the series or for this season, William as the Man in Black keeps saying, "I'm gonna like burn this whole thing to the ground." Mm-hmm. But what if it's not burning? What if it's drowning it? Yeah, it's just an expression. No, he said that in this episode. He oh, says that to one. Lawrence when they're at the bar, and he's like, "Oh no, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna get to the end. I'm going to you know, I'm gonna win, and then I'm gonna burn this place to the ground." Which he more than anybody, I would assume, has the right to do that because he owns the whole place. Yeah, especially if it gets out of control. I also have to say it's interesting that uh, we didn't see any of the. Bernard, the two Bernard storylines that are going on right now in this season, in this episode. No, yeah, that was something that was, uh, it happened last season too, where you started with like a lot of branching stuff 
and then one episode would focus almost entirely on one specific section of the story. And then next episode, I'm very certain we're going to have that Bernard back and forth again. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a little bit more of the uh, the events that happen immediately after, interspersed with wherever Maeve is going now, because I think she's going to make her way out of Westworld and into the other parts. Yeah, because um, we did see in a preview that she's got the Shogun, you know, like the... She's most definitely got, stuff. like, kimono-style clothing on at one point. Right. Which, I mean, I want to see her brandishing a katana. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see Hector looking like a badass samurai cowboy. <laughs> I can see him as yeah, some sam- samurai Ronin Ronin thing going on. Shaolin cowboy, yeah. Uh, I want to say it was one. They introduced a new character in this episode, and he's played by one of my favorite actors out there, um, Jonathan Tucker. He's playing Major something major cricket majors i don't i don't remember what is it the leader of the confederados yes okay yeah. and in the the first scene that you see him in is in the demonstration scene for for logan yes the and pitch. the pitch yes thank you and uh he he looks at him and he kind of goes like what are you looking at like can't get that stuff and that's one of the things that gives away um to logan it gives away quote unquote that you know this this person is a he's acting too human so thus i know he's not a human but then it really blows his mind when how many people everybody in the room even the two people that were there to pitch him yeah are robots which we already knew one of them was going to be yes because we'd seen her actually i was thinking that maybe she was going to actually be a real person and that's who they modeled that one after but it ended up being that she was also uh, a host you know and what didn't we see the other guy though too isn't didn't we see him in in the Westworld storylines before as yes um I'm trying to place where we see him in the in the um the first season in the first season yeah but he was there as well and we got to see a cameo from uh, Clementine again Clementine that's right she she's playing, playing the, the piano. piano yeah so I, I it, it it was like I said I I really like Jonathan Tucker I thought at one point I saw Alexander Skarsgård in there but I don't, it wasn't him. No, yeah, I, I think I saw it made that same yeah. expression. I was like, is that? It's, it's no. the guy that's like cleaning his glasses or something like that. Yeah, and yeah so it's it, just a very Aryan looking guy. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know how many more episodes Jonathan Tucker's going to be in the show, but I I think I, I I like like I said I think he's a he's a good actor. Well, being the leader of the Confederados, I'm and I'm sure they're going to build up to a big battle towards the end of the season. I'm sure he'll make it to at least the last couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to bring up? Uh, yeah. So just kind of briefly recapping all of that stuff that we had to summarize. Um, yeah, we see the Man in Black use one of those med kits that they use to patch up the host on himself so that brings up a lot of interesting possibilities and questions some uncomfortable questions (laughs) um which i think it's better to just leave for you to ponder and see where it goes from there but i did want to mention my favorite part of the episode my favorite scene of the episode was the delos uh promotion for william um, okay. Where Dolores is playing the piano, and she's playing my favorite Kanye West song. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pick up that it was a Kanye West song. Well, it's the only Kanye West song I know besides Jesus Walks. Okay. And I only know that song because of what was it, Jarhead? Yes. So yeah, this is the only other song I've ever listened to from Kanye. But I love this song because I love the little piano jingle, and there's a line in it where he's basically saying, "Here's a toast." To 
for the douchebags. And that's exactly what's happening. They're basically toasting each other for their grandiosity. And Logan is saying, yeah, they're like, they're, they're don't even realize this is the beginning of the end for them. <laughs> I'm like, man, that is so fitting. It's so great. And it's such a great song. And I love it. I want to hear it again. Um, yeah, no, like I, I, what you said, this, this episode was just packed full of lots of great things. And, uh, you know, they should make a Westworld app where it could take any song from your like your music's library and turn turn it into a, f- a piano and turn it into a like a mecha- one of those automatic pianos like type jingles yeah i'm i'm sure it's out there somewhere something to to be done so um all right if anybody has any further information they'd like to throw at us something that we might have missed in this episode uh we'd love to hear from you uh i'm on twitter as at Michipedia, G-E-R. john is also on twitter as i am at the magic bollocks not the magic bollocks, but just magic bollocks. <laughs> Underscore. <laughs> uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And GeekEliteRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Uh, but until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.